Hey, Porch Podcast listeners. <laughs> Sorry, you didn't realize. <laughs> that was Fryer Myers not realizing that I'd already hit the record button. <laughs> Perfect timing. Whoops. <laughs> well, welcome back. Uh, he didn't want to continue in that, I guess. He just decided he wanted to stop. So, Trail it uh, off a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, this week, we are going to be talking about. Uh, Christian Walk Again, we've kind of been going through that series, and um, we are going to be talking about a Christian walk at home and kind of what that looks like, and um, and yeah, all that fun stuff. So uh, just as an FYI, if you do hear a cough or uh, my voice goes to uh, uh, who knows what octave you would call that. Uh, I have been battling a little bit of congestion here, so uh, we're going to try to save my voice a little bit there. Plus, I have to preach this coming Sunday. Um, so if you want to hear The Evangelist, uh, be sure to show up West Gant, 10.30 a.m. Sunday morning. Uh, yes, that was a shameless plug. And you realize that they won't hear this. And so oh, yeah, after you've already right. preached it. <laughs> so they can go back and watch the Facebook post. Just go back and watch the Facebook thing. Uh, it's been one of those weeks. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, so somebody thanks, else take the mic. Thanks for shamelessly plugging my sermon that will happen the next Sunday. <laughs> that is not the evangelist. That is Bishop Bates that will be preaching when you actually do listen to this on Monday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's been one of those weeks. Mm-hmm. Cough starts getting to you, isn't it, bud? I'm telling you. Jeez Louise. All right. So uh, with that being said, I will turn it over uh, to these fine gentlemen to tell us um, how they're great, godly men and husbands and fathers. <laughs> well, I know for me, if we're if we're talking about how to be a Christian at home, I judge people the minute I walk through the front door. <laughs> and if they don't have a placard or poster or sun catcher or something that says Joshua 24, 4, 15, that says, and as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. If that is not on full display, I know that I'm not entering into a Christian household. Mm. <laughs> oh, God. What if, what if it says Gather. Nope, no, no, no gathering. gathering. No, no gathering. gathering. You can gather under all kinds of names. <laughs> but in my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen. <laughs> and the prayer of Jabez, it might mm-hmm. be hanging up too. Enlarge my Enlarge territories. Enlarge my territories. That's right. What about the Olin Mills like photo where everybody's looking off into the corner of the room? Mm-hmm. You got to have one of those too? No. Only if it came from the church directory. That's <laughs> church the only, that's the only exactly. picture that will tell us whether or not you're following Jesus. Uh, yep. Do we need to stop this and just start over? <laughs> Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Uh, no, I, <laughs> I think we probably have to define a little bit of like what we mean by following Jesus in the home. You need, we need to define yeah. that a little bit. And I, I think that you've got to define some relationships in that too, where like I don't think we are going to dive too much into like, how do you walk that out as a husband? We were talking about that a little bit earlier. Because we don't want to speak into things that we can't speak into once we get into the topic of how do you walk with Jesus as a wife because yeah. then that gets a little <laughs> tricky because there's not a female in the room. No. Um, so we, I think we're going to try to maybe 
keep the conversation to like, what does that look like in general in our homes? How do we follow Jesus? How do we walk with him? Um, Because there may be some of y'all that are listening and going, well, I'm single. Well, your home is going to look a lot different than somebody who's married. And even for the married couples, that's going to look different than the married couples that have kids. And that's going to look different than the married couples who have kids who've left the home. And that's going to look different than married couples who are retirees. And like that just all looks very different. So I think if we can maybe hit some like, in general, outside of specific hats that you wear within the home, but just in general, when you're at home, what does it look like to walk with Jesus? So um, maybe we start with like the the practical side of that. Like Wes, when you think about walking with Jesus in your home between you and Hannah, what does that look like? What does y'all's walk look like? Well, I know when when the evangelist William E. Orr sent out the text message to prompt the conversation and said that we were going to be talking about the or, or how to walk like Jesus at our home, it reminded me of the podcast that we recorded a couple of weeks ago on salvation, and we kind of used that quote sinner's prayer as a prompt or a template to kind of guide our conversation. And for, for this particular episode or conversation, I thought about the Ten Commandments, because if you go through all those commandments and think about how they practically apply to your life and how they uh, maybe apply to your home, to me, there's a lot that you could get into, you know, starting off with the first commandment and really even the second, you shall have no other gods before me and you shall not make for yourself a carved image of any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or is or that is in the earth beneath or in the water or under the earth. You shall not bow down to them nor serve them. Then it says, for I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God. But if you think about all the things in the home that do you know, steal your time, steal your attention, your focus, distract you from God. I mean, we could sit here all night and talk about those things, but to to honor God in a practical way or from a practical standpoint, as the evangelist mm-hmm. likes to say, you know, just, just think about all the devices that you have access to. You have TVs, you have iPhones, you have iPads, uh, anything else that has a screen, you know, just just thinking about those things specifically, how much time are they robbing away from God because of, of how attached you are to them? You know, Apple now has a weekly screen time report that you get every week. And, you know, I, I to me, I don't think that I use my phone all that much or I don't think that I'm on my phone all that much. But apparently Apple says and thinks otherwise because the the number is pretty shocking. Now, I will say that my iPhone, my iPad, my iMac computer, like all those things are linked together. So I am looking at a screen a lot with with all three of those devices. But, you know, my time at home is, it's limited just based on the schedule that I work and maintain. I don't get a lot of time at home. So when I do have that time, I have choices that I have to make, right? I have to choose, am I going to spend time with my wife and am I going to invest in this relationship or am I going to, like like at the dinner table is a perfect example, 
you know, we'll have dinner, we do sit down and eat together every single night, but am I going to use that time to engage with her in conversation and talk about how her day went, how my day went, so on and so forth, or am I going to scroll through channel four to make sure that I'm reading, you know, all the up-to-date current events and news reports and who got shot this time and, yeah. you know, that kind of thing. So back to the Ten Commandments, having no other God with a little g before God with a big g, you really have to be conscious of the decisions that you're making and you have to be conscious of how you are spending your time. And it, it's easy to become distracted. It's easy to put these devices and screens ahead of him when it's a whole lot better. It's a whole lot more fruitful to read a devotional or open up the Bible and, and read a couple of chapters or, or even pray, you know, whatever, whatever you need to do to honor him with your time. Like it, it is hard, but it's, it's the best thing to do. Well, and it's funny that you mentioned the screen. I, I wish I knew exactly, you know, the, the exact details of it, but I remember hearing that, um, that the iPhone or not the iPhone, I don't want to, pick on iPhone people because I'm one of those people, but um, just cell phones and those screens in general, I think um, if I remember right, it was two or three times more addictive than like heroin. It's cocaine. Cocaine. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's having that screen, you know, it's, it's not just, you know, it's not just a partial draw. I mean, it, you're like completely focused. And then even just the sound of the text message going off or the notification going off really does draw our attention there. And if you, I'm not saying that there were better houses back in the day and all this stuff, but older generations prior to um, technology booming like it was, um, there was more time there. Now, was that always better? Maybe not, right? You hear the old adage, uh, me and my wife, we never had an argument, but we just discussed things very loudly. <laughs> you know, I'm not saying that it, it was always, you know, better or perfect or whatever the case may be, but you you, you had to fill that time. And so usually family-oriented um, things uh, were there and work-wise and things like that. Now, I mean, it, it's a simple... As soon as you unlock it, you know, it, you, it's got you. Well, you and, and to your point, there have been several recent studies and reports that have been done by clinical psychologists and doctors, and they're talking about the, the prevalence of anxiety in today's generation. And that older generation that, that you're talking of most of the time, I don't want to say most of the time because I don't want to overgeneralize and assume things for an entire demographic, but for sake of conversation, these people would get up at 5.30 in the morning, they would drink their coffee, and then they would read the Bible to start their day. Well, that seems to be kind of like a dying thing. Like, that's not what happens anymore. Nowadays, people wake up, and the first thing they do is they scroll through Facebook, or for me, I play solitaire because it keeps, or it, it kind of gets my mind going. Uh, but if, if we could find a way to put God first and make him, you know, the, the start of our day, surely the day will will start off on a positive, brighter, lighter note than if you if you start rolling scrolling through Facebook or reading 
current events. And again, who's been shot this time, you know. Oh, yeah. Reverend Dr. Bishop, anything you'd like to add? <laughs> Awkward silence there. Uh, well, I mean, yeah, I think that when you think about Old Testament commands, especially about giving God our first fruits, it's more than just a tithing conversation of finances. It's about every resource that we have, which includes our time, that we give of, give to God of these first things. And I, I have a lot of people who uh, will tell me, well, I'm not a morning person. I don't want to wake up first thing in the morning and do a devotion because I'll fall right back asleep. And I'm one of them. I'm not... I'm not a morning person Same. by any stretch. I don't want to wake up and and especially wake up early to do any of these things. Tyler and I meet for at, for coffee Tuesday mornings at 5.30 in the morning, and that's the worst day of my week because I have to <laughs> – I love Tyler and I love meeting with him, but I hate getting up that early to go and do something like that um, because I'm still half asleep even after a 15-minute ride over to Pelham Road. It's that pasture hour thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, they, they they don't work, but you know, a couple hours. A couple hours. So like, they can wake up whenever they want to, <laughs> go to bed right. whenever they want to. That's right. But I, but I, yeah, but, I, but I'm not a morning person by any stretch. But I do think that there's something to be said for setting the tone for my day. So whether that happens at five thirty in the morning or eight thirty in the morning, or even after I've had my shower and you know fixed a, a cup of coffee or whatever breakfast and have kind of allowed my mind to wake up so that I can focus and give God the attention that he deserves. At some point in that process, there needs to be a giving of our first fruits that sets the tone for the rest of our day. Um, and you talk to anybody. I mean, even outside of the home, you go to um, uh, a sports team, you talk to coaches who are uh, coaching at high levels, and it's like, well, what's the most important part of your practice time? And, and a lot of times I'll tell you it's those first opening minutes because it sets the pace for what the rest of a practice is going to look like. And and even like, why do we all pay attention to the first play of a football game, the kickoff and everything that's going to, you know, happen in those first 30 seconds of a football game? Why? Well, because it sets the tone for what the rest of the game is going to feel like. Um, and, and those opening plays are so important to like show the other team who's boss, I guess. I don't know. But, but we have that opportunity every morning to, to give God of our first fruits and kind of set a tone for what the rest of our day is going to look like. And I think that is that is important. Again, that doesn't have to be 5.30 in the morning with our nose stuck in a Bible somewhere. Um, that can be 8 o'clock in the morning over a cup of coffee, spending a little bit of time in prayer or listening to um, uh, Will told our youth last night um, to go to Version and hit the play button at the bottom and let Version read the Bible to you. And so that works for a lot of people, and that's okay. Um, but we do need to set the tone the right way and put him first. I think on the flip side of that, there's that other end of the day, too, where it's like we come home, and that's really where you were, Wes, talking about. Of I get home, and I've already had this long day, and I'm tired, but I also want to catch up on all the stuff I missed while I was at work and all this other stuff, and now I've got devices coming at me and Facebook notifications and emails I haven't seen or text messages coming through, and all of those things definitely distract from our time as well. And so there's something to be said for prioritizing Um and somebody had said a long time ago, uh, to use uh, um, Will's words a minute ago, uh, the old adage um, was something along the lines of, um, uh, you'll know where your priorities are based on where your time goes or where your resources go. And so if my time is going to my phone and Facebook and text messages and whatever else, then that's where my priority really is. But if my time is going to let me get in the Word, let me spend time with my wife, let me do the things that I know God is calling me to do, then that shows where my priority is as well.
So we can do some pretty easy self-evaluation by just looking at our time, and that'll tell us very quickly where our priorities are and whether or not we have any idols. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, uh, generally on any given evening, I may have like two hours, two hours of time at home. So I I do try and make the most of it and make each minute count because I don't have many minutes at home. You know, to continue on, the third commandment talks about not using the name of the Lord your God in vain. And that that speaks for itself. It, it reminds us that, that we should honor and revere God in our words. And I don't want to add to any commandment or I don't want to seem like that's what I'm trying to do but but the point I do want to make is you know our our family members are created in the image of God they were created by God on purpose for a purpose and with a purpose and when we look into the faces of our family members we're we're seeing the face of God so I don't want to to take away from the commandment where he says don't use my name in vain because that that does stand alone and his name is holy and his name is uh, great and and all of those things. But we also need to be careful with the words we use to our families, you know, how we speak to them, the things we say to them. Are Are we speaking life and encouragement into them or are we being dismissive or are we you know, discouraging them, you know, the, the things that we say, especially for, for me specifically, when I only have those two hours of availability at home, what am I saying? Is it, you know, am, am I sowing good things into my wife or am I just giving her the cold shoulder or, you know, just, I guess what I'm trying to say is just be mindful of your words that you use when you're at home. You guys are, uh, in a different stage than I am right now because you both have children. So, you know, the the way that they're looking at you guys, the way that they hear every single thing that, that you say and probably repeat every single thing that you say, you got to be careful about that. And I'm sure you guys know that, but words are powerful. The old adage to continue with the theme of the night, say, <laughs> sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt. Well, we all know that's that's simply not true. So, how are you speaking to your children? How are you building them up? How are you, you know, what are you saying to them? Well, and and with what you were saying, as soon as you said it, the other thing that kind of popped in my mind, not that I want to go back to, you know, the screen time all the time. or whatever. We've moved on from that. No, we're going back to the screen time for <laughs> half a second. No returns. Um <laughs> Hashtag no take backs. <laughs> uh, we're never going to get through this. From this standpoint, we're moving forward. <laughs> from this standpoint. Well, from my standpoint, my standpoint. Um, hey, no. baby face, mute him. Oh, wait, you're not here. Oh. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh. I can't believe he did that, Duncan. Um, mm. He probably won't hear that until after it's posted. <laughs> um, but what I was thinking of is we also had to be aware of what we're allowing to come through these screens. For sure. Um, TikTok is of the devil. TikTok. Talk tick. Whatever you want to call it. China is looking at you right now through your iPhone because of the TikTok platform. Uh, did we just open a can of worms? Um, new topic. New topic. Forget everything we said. Uh, 
But it, it really is. Even TV shows and stuff like that, like, you, even stuff you would look at and, and think, well, this is a kid's show and, like, it's cool. Like, you still have to be aware because even, like, back in the day, if we're going to go back in the day again, you know, when I was a kid, stuff was, I don't want to say it was wholesome and, like, but, like, you you didn't have, parents didn't quite have to be as um, mindful of what was on there. Now, I mean, you, you have to be aware because it doesn't matter what it is. Um, Although I can't remember, my mom gave me specific instructions not to watch The Simpsons. And what did I do? <laughs> you I watched snuck the to the bedroom and watched The Simpsons. <laughs> of course. That you. was one of the ones that popped in my head. And then South Park was the other <laughs> one where I was like, bro, I don't know that that's true. Will we? I will say that it was reserved to certain channels. Yeah. yeah where I'm yeah. like, now I feel like it's everywhere. It's like dis- me- just everything. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't matter what channel you're yeah. on. That stuff was still there when we were kids, oh, yeah, but it yeah. was like I had to intentionally turn to MTV, yeah, that's yeah. right, or I had to turn to VH1, yeah. or I had to go to whatever to find that. Yeah. I couldn't just pull up my phone or you know watching Disney Channel or whatever. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And and I think you know it is our speech, but and also what we're allowing within the home. Um, and and it doesn't just apply to kids shows, right? I mean that that could be the single. Uh, man or single woman sitting in their house watching a show that, um, let's just be honest, God's not going to be approving of. Um, you know, I mean, look, we all love what is it, the the Golden Bachelor now? The what? Golden Bachelor, <laughs> whatever they're called. Yeah, man. Yeah, I'm just saying. Speak um, for yourself. I don't love it. I, I've, I've never <laughs> seen it. I just Listen, saw the I, commercial for it. I think I'm the bottom saying. line is I've watched every you, episode. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> if you wouldn't watch it sitting beside your grandmother, yeah. you wouldn't watch it sitting beside Jesus. You probably ought not to be watching it. Exactly. Amen. <laughs> and all God's people said, <laughs> Amen. Um. Well, with that, let's let's take a break, and then when we come back, we're going to go with the the strictly biblical cleanliness is next to godliness. <laughs> so, welcome back to continue with our conversation. We've kind of been going through the, of, of course, the germaphobe takes all that we talk about cleanliness next to godliness. <laughs> I like to be clean, man. I operate with three C's: clean, convenient, and comfortable. If it's not any one of those C's, I'm not having it. But to continue with our conversation, um, we've kind of been going through the Ten Commandments and making them applicable to to our homes. The next one that we come to is remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Now, there's a lot of debate or conversation on what the Sabbath actually is, but to us practicing Baptists, the seventh day or the Sabbath is Sunday. Uh, So to honor the Sabbath and keep it holy. What does that mean? What does that look like? I actually read a stat today that said, I guess I should have read it a little bit closer, (laughs) but it it said something like 60 to 70% of young adults between the ages of 18 and 25, 60 to 70% of young adults step away from church unless, and then there were five different criteria that, I guess, that, that prevented them from stepping away from their faith at that age, and one of them was a faithful church attendance as a 
child or youth-aged kid, uh, if meaning if, if their family made coming to church together a priority, then the chances were, and the math says, that they are probably going to continue with that pattern as, a, as an adult. Uh, so, you know, again, you guys, as, as fathers, what you are demonstrating to your children at young ages, they're probably going to, to, to hang on to. They're probably going to cling to. The Bible tells us to teach a child in the way that it should go, and when he is old, he will not, he will not depart from it. And that's what you guys are modeling now. Chris, you're shaking your head rather emphatically. Well, that statistic that you mentioned has been around for a while. In fact, that's the, one of the reasons that I stepped away from ministry for a while was because of that statistic. Um, that statistic was used in a message that I had listened to from another pastor around the idea of the centrality of the home in evangelism and discipleship. Dr. Vody Bacham, we've mentioned him on here before. But in that sermon, he talks about that statistic in relation to youth ministry in, in the church. And he talks about the failing grade, essentially, that youth ministry has around the idea of, like, if my child's faith is dependent on a college student or young adult's ability to disciple them on a Wednesday night or Sunday night youth program, the statistic shows that 70% of them, 80% of them, it fluctuates, but somewhere between 70 to 80% of them are going to walk away from their faith their freshman year of college as soon as they experience some freedom outside of the home. And so there's... That is a failing grade on the mark of the church, but more importantly than a failing grade on the mark of youth ministry, that's also a failing grade on the the, <laughs> the message of the home, which is really where Vody Bachman took that of like, man, it shouldn't be dependent on a youth pastor to to disciple your child. That's what the mom and dad's job should be, specifically according to Scripture, the dad's job in Ephesians 5 and 6. And so there's this idea of like when we see that, and I'm sure that that's what this article that you were probably reading was like, hey, when we see a home that is living out biblical standards, including church attendance on Sundays, but not limiting it to church attendance on Sundays, but also doing daily devotions with your kids and prayer times and uh, reading scripture together or, or um, you know, uh, just in general investing into the spiritual walk of your children, we see that statistic flip on its head. And so it goes from only 20% of our kids holding on to their faith to 80% of the kids holding on to the faith. And that's what you see when you have a true evangelical home where there's a mom and a dad present who are doing their best to show their faith to their kids. If they've got four kids, three of them are going to hang on to their faith when they hit their freshman year of college. Only one statistically will walk away from it. And so there is something to be said for displaying that. And a church attendance is a part of that, that we display not just things at home, but we're going to show you how to worship and take you there and, and so I actually just found it, and it says uh, 75% of kids left the church between the ages of 18 to 29. Why 25% stayed connected with Christ? Number one was they ate dinner five of seven nights a week as a family. Number two, they served with their families in a ministry of the church in some capacity. Number three, they were entrusted with the responsibility in or of a ministry at an early age. Uh, four is they had one spiritual experience at home during the week. And five, they had at least one faith-focused adult in their life other than their parents. So that that kind of gets away from what we were talking about with, with honoring the Sabbath and keeping it holy, but not really. I mean, it's, it's talking about setting that example, modeling what your child should do so that when they are old enough to make their own decision, they know 
the path that they're going to go. They know the decision that they're going to make, and then they they maintain it. Yeah, well, I think when we sacrifice the Sabbath for our kids to go do other things, we are displaying for them that what we believe and what we teach isn't real. Um, in other words, what we're displaying to them is we'll talk about it and we'll say that that's what God's Word says, but but when it comes to actually practically living it out, we don't really have to do that. Let's go do other stuff. And it's like, well, no, if we're going to claim that the Sabbath is a holy day for us, if we're going to say that Sunday, is, uh, you know, as a, as a New Testament evangelical believer, that Sunday is the day that we're going to worship on and that we're going to give to God as, as our time of rest and, and our day of worship, then we need to practically put priority on that. We can't sacrifice that because to do otherwise is to teach our kids this double standard of what I say versus what I do. And, and we can't do that for our kids. And so it, it's important that we remember the Sabbath day, even beyond, we've obviously already done a, an episode on uh, the importance of church and why we go and why we do all these things and what the church is for. Um, so I don't want to reiterate too much of that, but that that should be central first, that we are going to worship God. But also the, the secondary piece of that is that that trickles down from generation to generation. Part of the reason I hold the Sabbath day holy is so that my kids will know that I'm living out what I'm teaching, and I'm not just up here saying stuff and then not doing it. But we're going to go to church together, and we're going to see it. They are going to see you take a nap every single Sunday. <laughs> Afterwards, yes. <laughs> so honoring your father and your mother, that may be a little bit hard for us to, to talk about right now. I think we're all, well, I don't think, I know we're all grown men sitting around a table, so... Uh, we, we can still we honor our parents. Perspective on that <laughs> no, I, I, I'll, I'll push back on that a little bit. Yeah. So, and many of y'all may um, in the room. Obviously, y'all y'all know my story, but many of our, our listeners may not. But my mom and dad split up late in life. Um, I was in my late twenties when my dad confessed to being uh, unfaithful um, to my mother, and their marriage ended in a divorce. And um, that was a tricky time for me because my dad was always my pastor. He was my coach. He was my youth leader. He was uh, all of these things. He followed me to college. When I went to college, he was he became the athletic minister there, and so I couldn't even get away from it then. Um, he was just always with me and was always the spiritual influence in every capacity that I had. But the honor your mother and father piece became very tricky when after he had set himself in all these roles and I had put him in all these roles in my life, to find out later that he was not truly living out his faith in his own marriage really kind of shook a lot of things for me, and to the point that I I questioned a lot of stuff for, for a while, um, questioned a lot of stuff. But some of the best advice I ever got was from my father-in-law, and I've mentioned this in some sermons here, but my father-in-law caught me in the garage one day. I was It was shortly after I had received the news about my dad coming forward about everything, and I was mad. I was in the garage. I'm sure I was probably putting some money in a swear jar somewhere that we were talking about earlier. And um, I, I was just mad. I was I was ticked. And uh, my father-in-law came out and tried to calm me down, was just talking with me about it, just checking in on me. And he said, you know, Chris, he said, the only responsibility that you have biblically in this is to honor your mother and father. And that made me even more mad at first because I was like, hot. What do you want me to honor my dad for? You know, there's nothing that he's doing is honorable. <clears throat> and my father-in-law responded to that and said, you know, what he's doing in this situation may not be honorable, but that doesn't mean that everything that he has done in your life is dishonorable. And so you need to be careful to filter through 
and understand, be able to separate in your mind that this moment may be dishonorable and may not be something that I want to hold my dad up for, but that doesn't negate all of these other things. And so even as adults, we still have to process that because I, I talk to people all week long who are in adult phases who are still dealing with anger and resentment and bitterness towards their relationship with their mom and dad. Yeah, that's true. And, and there's something to be said for pausing for a second and going, what is our biblical mandate in that situation? The biblical mandate is honor your mother and father. Now, I know that there are some who will hear that. There are some from our church that I know there are situations who will hear that and go, my dad never did anything honorable for me. Oh, okay. <laughs> then set up some boundaries, separate yourself, do what you need to do. But that doesn't mean that we have to go run their name through the mud either. Part of honoring them may be just saying, I have no relationship with my father, but I'm not going to let my father control the outcomes of my life now. And so I'm going to forgive him for that and I'm going to move on. And, and that is part of honoring our parents as well. Um, so I would just say, I, I think I would be careful about bypassing that too quickly because of our age and where we're at. Cause I think a lot of people, even at our age are kind of still trying to figure out what does it mean to honor my mother and father at this stage of life? So it's the difficulty of a podcast. You don't always get to finish your, your thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> Did I cut you off before you got there? <laughs> no, I, but, but I totally agree. And, and I didn't mean to, to breeze over that by any means. I, fortunately, I've been blessed with, with great parents and uh, very thankful for, for both of them and, and the relationship that we do have. So, you know, maybe part of the reason that I was a little bit more apt to breeze over it is, is because what you're explaining, I don't necessarily relate to. I can sympathize with, but I can't empathize with because I've never, I've never gone through that. Uh, it's it's easy for me to take that that relationship for granted, and and that sounds bad, but it's 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 kind of true. And there's also things that you hear about how the way that a person perceives their relationship with their earthly father is how they perceive their relationship with their heavenly father, and there are some big disconnects in in people with that. So you know, honoring your parents loving your parents, respecting your parents, trusting your parents. What may come easy for some may not come easy for others. So uh, definitely uh, agree with what you're saying. Yep. 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 There you go. Yep. So a little bit more lightheartedly, can't kill people, shall not murder. That's a good one. Yeah. That's a good one. Thank God that <laughs> nobody killed me today, I guess. Well, if we look towards the Sermon on the Mount on that one, it's even within our heart. If it is within your heart. If you have hatred, so uh, Wes will be hating on me. <laughs> yeah. Then don't make it so easy. <laughs> well, apparently I need to have that conversation with Ryan as well. <laughs> Um, since you are on the double die list now, the I, double die. I don't even know how. I don't even know. Listen, I never would have imagined that my nemesis would have come in the form of a six-year-old <laughs> little girl. She's seven. She's, She's seven, seven. Now, and now she does I'm on not the triple like die. <laughs> triple die. You got the age wrong. You're don't dying. Worry. Don't worry. She's not going to listen to this. Podcast. But really, will uh, Oh, I'll tell her though whether she listens to the podcast or not. <laughs> well, from that standpoint, he hit her with the "your mama" and like none of it. True story. <laughs> True story. From that standpoint, though, with 
with Matthew chapter 5 and the Sermon on the Mount and where Jesus basically took things a step further, if you have hatred in your heart, you know, the, the way Greenville specifically is is pretty unique because you hear about how the the value of the dollar is decreasing and you hear about how cost of goods are higher and higher and you hear about inflation and you hear about increased taxes and, and all of those things. But Greenville is a little bit protect. I, I, it's not protected, but we're just kind of, oh, what's the word that I'm looking for? We just don't feel it quite as much based on the development that, that we're constantly seeing. You can pick any road in Greenville County just about and, and drive down it, and you will see some form of new development. You'll see a new house. You'll see a new subdivision. You'll see a new industrial park, whatever the case may be. Like Greenville is just a little bit insulated from these things that our nation as a whole are experiencing. And with that, our world is changing. Our neighborhood is changing. Our city is changing. Our demographics are changing. So where you may have started out on a tract of land that was 10 acres, you know, out in the middle of nowhere by yourself, too bad Pap's not here to speak more into that, way out in the sticks of Central. But you know, now you're seeing more and more houses pop up. And with more and more houses pop up, you're going to see a whole lot more people occupy and fill those houses. So you can't pick your neighbor. So there's a lot of different directions this conversation could go. But if, if you have any sort of hatred in your heart, if you have any sort of prejudice in your heart, uh, I'll go ahead and use the, the term, if you have any racism inside of your heart, like Jesus is calling you out in this right here because he says you haven't or you can't murder well yeah that's easy you can't shoot somebody or you can't do anything like that but but Jesus like we've already talked about takes it a step further and he says if if you have any hatred or you may as well have killed him not not really but but from from his standpoint yeah that's what the he's saying standpoint the only standpoint no, I think that's. <laughs> we were waiting for you to start keep talking. I mean, you were you were on a roll there. We didn't realize you'd stopped. Keep going, Liz. Keep going. We, you kind of I don't want to say trumped it, but <laughs> you kind of trumped it with the Jesus standpoint. The podcast is done now. Jesus, Jesus spoke in the Sermon on the Mount, and that was it. That's it. No, but it, that, it is true. That is how Jesus framed that within the Sermon on the Mount. And anytime I preach this particular part of the Sermon on the Mount, I talk about the idea of what Jesus was drawing our attention to, that there's this line that we tend to draw in the sand of like, this is right, and it's black and white. There's this side of the line that's good, that side of the line that's bad. But because the line is drawn so strictly of, well, I've never murdered anybody. I've never physically put a gun to somebody's head and pulled the trigger. I've never stabbed anybody. I've never put anybody in the grave. I've never caused anybody's heart to stop beating. I'm good. And Jesus is like, well, if that's where your mindset is, you have missed the whole point of the law. Yeah. Because the whole point of the law is not to see how much we can get away with, but rather to see how close to God's character we can become. And so God's character is a character of love. And so murder may be the hard line in the sand, but our heartbeat should be, let me get as far away from that as I can. And so Jesus' command in Matthew 5 is, if you even look at a brother with hatred in your heart, you've already committed murder. Well, 
man, that ups it a good bit for us. And so we have to rethink that. We have to think about some of the things you mentioned about being a good neighbor and um, the, the people that are around us and how we behave around them and what we think about them and how we speak to them because all of that is an indication of our heart and whether or not we are truly following the law Jesus was calling us to uh, or whether we're playing this game of how close to the line can I get without actually crossing it. So, so moving on, committing adultery. This one, this is a challenge. As I said earlier, we're all a bunch of grown men sitting around this table. So, you know, that same passage of Scripture in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus talks about if you even look at a woman with lust in your heart, you have already committed adultery. So uh, I guess I can sit here amongst you brothers in Christ and leave no sin unconfessed and tell you that I am an adulterer and I have looked at women with lust in my heart and it I was going to say it is what it is, but it's not. It is what it is. That's that's a bad thing, yeah. but it not trying to make excuses or defenses. I was going to say it, it's, it's a natural thing for a, for a man based on how we're wired and, you know, how we're created. But, but with Jesus, like that's, that's no excuse because Jesus tells us, or, you know, he told his disciples that, that once he was crucified and once he was uh, resurrected, he came back to them for a short time and he said, Hey, I'm, I'm going to go now and I'm going to prepare a place for you. But while I'm gone, I'm going to leave you a helper that's even greater than I am. And he left us with the Holy Spirit and with the Holy Spirit who dwells inside of us. Like we don't have an excuse anymore. We don't have a leg to stand on when when it comes to something that is seemingly natural. Like we have the fullness and the abundance of Christ within us, meaning we can overcome any temptation that is presented to us. A lot of people will say that God will never give you more than you can handle, which isn't true because if God wouldn't give you more than you could handle, he wouldn't have given his son Jesus a cross which killed him. He will give you more than you can handle so that you become more reliant and dependent on him. But what scripture says is he will never tempt you beyond what are, what you're able to be uh, or, or what you're able to, to overcome. And that's, that's paraphrase. That's not verbatim or word for word. But he says he'll never... He'll always give you an escape. Right. Yeah. So when it comes to this this tricky, slippery slope of, of adultery and lust and, and things like that, we have that escape through him. But we still have to, to guard our hearts. We have to guard our mind. We may even have to put protective measures in place with, you know, different forms of accountability or relationships with, you know, someone that you trust uh, I've, I've heard someone say that if you if you're struggling with an addiction of any sort, whether it be pornography or substance or any any sort of addiction, they encourage you to think of someone in your mind who would be the last person that you would want to find out that you had that addiction. And once you think of that person, that's the person that you go to and confess that sin to because they will be the most apt to holding you accountable. So, you know, I would just encourage anyone who is listening, if you are dealing with uh, adultery in the literal sense or the figurative sense, like what we're, we're talking about, seek out help. Seek out someone that can hold you accountable. Seek out someone that can counsel you through that. Um, don't, don't let that go 
uh, unchecked, I guess. Yeah. I blanked on words there. I, and I won't, I know you said <laughs> his hand motions. I think last week, uh, the, uh, I forget what the closing line was there. Uh, I said the irrigation man doesn't understand hand signals. And, <laughs> and now he's trying to throw his own hand signals. <laughs> um, but I, I will say, um, not to take up for us men, because I don't, I don't, but men do get it, you know, that harsh, like, adultery thing. But it's it's not just men anymore. And I don't know that it ever was just men, but, uh, you know, it's, ladies, I'm not trying to call you out either, but, like, it is a problem, you know, for everybody uh, with that. And... Way to shift the blame. Uh, exactly. You gotta take it off that of us. wife you gave me, God. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's her fault. Um, but uh, I mean, it, it is, and it is one of those things that it's not just the men anymore. You know, as far as that goes, it, it is everybody um, looking with that lustful eye, um, and even I mean, depending on. You know exactly where you want to go with that and, and and that kind of stuff. You know it's it's even the the single person. Um, it may not be uh, the adultery piece, but you know the single person sitting there and they may not have a uh, a concept of what that looks like because if we go back to the last one with their parents, you know they may be looking at that and saying, well, mom and dad did it, you know, or whatever the case may be, and so they're they're processing that as well but yeah i mean, I, I agree reach out um it, it's it, it's one of those things that can um we just unfortunately as a culture don't take that very seriously exactly yeah we we assume that the well, as long as I, <coughs> I, I can look as long as i don't touch i, I hear that a lot dealing with mm-hmm. teenagers is, is well it's it's okay to look or I'm just touch. window shopping. Right, I'm yeah. just you hear that shopping. from the old yeah. old men. Yeah, but the truth is, according to Scripture, that's not okay either. Yeah. Right, and and so I th- I think that we our tendency always our human nature always is to downplay the effects of sin in our lives, and to we we do that through relabeling. So I'm not going to call it adultery anymore. I'm going to call it window shopping. Right, I'm not going to call it lust anymore. I'm going to call it look but not touch. Um, you know, we we do that with everything. Uh, we we try to downplay these sins in our lives and make them less than what they are. But the truth is that they are the thing that caused Jesus to go to a cross for us. They are yeah. the they are the thing that caused us to to miss out on eternity if it wasn't for the grace of God. Um, and, and so we have to understand and take every one of these sins very seriously. Adultery is one of those, as we've already kind of said, I think it is definitely becoming more prominent, yep. I think, within the, the female culture. But predominantly it has been a male, uh, yeah. a male issue throughout uh, yeah. history of just that, again, the way we're wired visually and, yep. and all those different things. But, but we are left without excuse at that point to, to look at it. And we have to take that seriously. We have to condemn it. We have to call it what it is. Mm-hmm. We can't be afraid to do that because it does destroy marriages. It destroys families. It destroys homes. Um, and you can think you're going to play with fire all day long and not get burned, but the truth is you are burning your home down 
um, if that's where you are. And so I will echo the same thing these two guys have already said. Again, if you're dealing with that at all, you need to seek somebody to talk to, and you can talk to any one of us, uh, but you need to reach out because that will so quickly destroy your marriage and destroy your home um, if you're in that look-but-don't-touch mentality. Um, well, and then just going back briefly, since Will allowed us to back up a couple minutes ago, just going uh, back to uh, we already have one backup. The we screens. don't have backup again. <laughs> like, can y'all remember how out of control those Hardee's commercials got a couple of years uh, ago yeah. with yeah. with this this kind of stuff? I mean, it is literally everywhere. You can't even watch a daggum commercial about a cheeseburger exactly. without you know it being just blatantly broadcast and displayed. So, really. Uh, Fellas, guard yourself against it with with whatever it takes. By all means, uh, guard yourself against it. You can't steal. You shall not steal. I'm glad nobody walked into my house and stole my TV or refrigerator or Second Amendment right bearing <laughs> items or <laughs> motorcycles. Uh, <laughs> You know, that, that seems like a pretty good one to have. You know, don't yeah, steal. Don't steal. I yeah. will say I am eternally grateful for the house that I'm currently living in because the house that, that we moved out of, man, if you didn't have it locked down three times, it probably wasn't going to be there in the morning <laughs> when you went to go look for it. So uh, stealing, man, it's 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 no good. It's no fun. Uh, it. It's just gross. Like yeah. I, I don't, I don't like people who steal. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm right there with you. Um, and that, that was one, one thing. I, my dad would always say, "I can't stand a thief." Can't stand a thief. Yeah, that, that was his, that was his go-to line. I think it's a good thing. Don't, don't steal. <laughs> yeah, just, <laughs> like, I, maybe this one we can kind of breeze over. Maybe <laughs> simple as that. Don't steal. Just don't I mean, steal. <laughs> And to <laughs> to wrap things up with the last one, you shall not covet your neighbor's house, nor shall you covet your neighbor's wife. Uh, and I guess we could just stop there because we don't have servants or, Ooh. I mean, several of my neighbors have cows. So, but it can be anything. <laughs> like one of my neighbors has a, a brand new pontoon. And uh, a couple of years ago when we had a, a summer of prayer, I wrote a couple of the devotions that, that made up that 31-day uh, devotional guide up for prayer, and, and that's that's one of the things that I mentioned, uh, not coveting what your neighbor has. And it sure is easy to look out the window and see that bright, shiny pontoon that he's got parked out there. I mean, it, it, sure, it'd be nice to have one in, in the driveway, but, you know, good for him to be able to have that. You know, I guess... The takeaway for, for me for this commandment is just be thankful and appreciative of what you do have. Be thankful for the things that God has blessed you with, uh, and, and don't don't play the comparison game. <laughs> he went from hands to eyes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, co- coveting is a very dangerous thing, man. I mean, it, it really is because it leads to all of the things that the Ten Commandments had already commanded us not to do. So we covet our neighbor's wife. Well, what ends up happening with that? Adultery. We covet our neighbor's things. Well, what does that lead to? Stealing. Uh, We covet uh, someone's athleticism. What does that turn to? Not honoring the Sabbath. Breaking their leg. uh, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 
Wow, I got crazy real quick. Um, no, but we we covet someone's athleticism. What does that turn into? Well, we we skip church in order to practice or be on a travel team or do all these things. And we, we sacrifice that day of rest that God has called us to have because we got to get the leg up on the competition. Coveting really becomes kind of a, it's one that we bypass a lot when we have conversation, but really it is a root cause of so many of the other infringements of these, these Ten Commandments. Um, because we see something, we desire it, and as the New Testament teaches, that desire gets implanted in our heart, that desire gives birth to sin, sin when it is full grown leads to death. And so it's, it, it is really coveting is where that seed gets planted. I see something that someone else has and I want it. Now I'm willing to take action on it. Now that action is leading to death in, in so many relationships and parts of my life. Um, and so man, we, we do have to be careful to guard our hearts and our minds against that. Um, and teach our kids to guard their hearts and their minds. Man, I think one of the, I don't know about you, your kids will, but my kids are, I love them to death, but they are the absolute worst for going to somebody's house and seeing something that somebody else's kid has. And then they come home and that's all I hear. <laughs> Daddy, can we go get this? Yeah. Daddy, did you see that? Daddy, we should go buy that like tomorrow. And I'm like, guys, no. Like just because someone else has that does not mean that you need to go get that today. Uh, or have that at all at any point. Yeah, um, mine, mine's not so much everybody else as much as it's between the two. Yep. Like she got this, uh, so yeah. I need this. Uh-huh. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so I think coveting is, you know, as we talk about walking with Jesus in our homes. Um, it's something that we definitely have to guard against. It's not a term that we talk about very much in American culture. Like I don't walk yeah. around going, y'all don't covet. Like I don't say that to my kids very often um, unless we just happen to be talking through the Ten Commandments. Uh, but it is something that we deal with daily that we have to be careful about. Here we go again with these hand signals. <laughs> yeah, I'm I, calling you to the bullpen. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> calling in the closer. No, I'm the bench warmer, much less the closer. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I completely agree. And, and I think in our culture um, or in our society, it has become one of those things that it's just natural to keep up with the Joneses. You, you've got to, you know, it, I, I'm trying to remember, it was like an old TV show, The, the Neighbor Gets, well, it's even a new TV show, Bluey, uh, for all the Bluey, uh, the parents out there who know what I'm talking about. You'll remember the episode of the pizza oven, right? Uh, Lucky's dad got a pizza oven, and so uh, Bluey's dad had to have a pizza oven. But, I mean, that is that is the way it is. It's like, well, man, that that's really cool. I like that. I want one. And and then it becomes these desires, and, and yeah, it's, it could be something as simple as a pizza oven, but it, it can go further, you know. I mean, and, and I think it opens us up um, – you know, how do they get away with that and then I can't? Um, why are they so lucky and I'm not? And so then you get into this thing where you're even, it, it, it's even like a um, an argument with God. Why, why did you give them that and not me? Why, why did they have this and I don't? And, and so you, it, it, it just goes down a path that, that leads to so much more um, when you get into that. So I completely agree. As always, we thank you for joining us, for listening to us, um, for putting up with our madness um, <laughs> that we have had. Uh, be sure to uh, check the live stream on the West Gants. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> but uh, we, we're so glad that you listen. 
Uh, we appreciate uh, your support in that. Uh, we always enjoy uh, seeing that that number increase. Not that we're worried about the numbers, but it, it makes us feel like at least somebody's listening, uh, not just us. And so we appreciate that. Uh, we are coming up close, I believe, on 300 total downloads. So uh, I don't know if we should have a, a pizza party or a cupcake thing or whatever it is that you used to do like in elementary school. Uh, but, but maybe you'll see one of those. We're going to live stream all of us eating 300 pieces of pizza. <laughs> Whoa. All right, Mr. Beast. Exactly. Calm down over there. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, as always, we do want to thank you for uh, joining us. Uh, be sure to, if you haven't, to subscribe, to follow. Check us out on Facebook to keep up to date with us. New episodes dropping. Um, hopefully uh, lots of new cool ideas. If you'd like to reach out to us, you can do it through uh, our Facebook page with a direct message. If you need to talk to somebody about something or get more information on something, um, we'll always respond to be there available for that. Um, and we thank y'all. Be sure to come back next week.